Welcome to GradCast, the official radio show for the Society of Graduate Students. I'm your host, Tanya. And I'm your co-host, Nav. And GradCast is here to bring graduate students' life to you guys, but from Western's perspective. Well, GradCast is usually about graduate research because that's what grad life is mostly about. But we are here to continue on a previous episode, which is about the graduate students, the graduate teaching assistants strike or not strike. So to flesh out more on this topic, we have here with us Laura Cabral. She is a PhD candidate in psychology, a graduate teaching assistant, a VP finance of the Society of Graduate Students. And today, for us, she is a member of the strike committee. How's it going, Laura? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. It's been a day for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think just before we get started, it just goes to show that, yes, we do research, but just in Laura's intro, we have a bunch of roles on campus as graduate students. Yes, we all play dual roles on campus. Mm -hmm. I also chair the finance subcommittee of the strike committee. Wow. There we go. (laughs) So which means you are in charge of developing the grad club? Uh, it means I'm in charge of strike pay in particular for the strike committee, okay. which is really fun. That's what our members have been most concerned about throughout the strike votes. Right, the the strike pay. So I hear that, not I hear, but we all got the email that the university and the union have agreed upon a tentative deal. Yeah, so there's a tentative deal currently in place. So the bargaining team has agreed to recommend this deal to members. And the university obviously wants us to sign this deal. So Mm -hmm. they're also recommending it. So we have final offer votes this Thursday and Friday. So on that note, this episode will be airing... um, after this vote has been done. But we're sort of hoping that if you are listening to this after uh, Thursday and Friday, then you will still get an idea of what's been going on. If you have any any questions that need to be answered, hopefully this episode can do that for you, or at least be a fun listen to. <laughs> anyway, going back to the agreement, um, do you think it's a good news or is it a bad news with this agreement? So as the strike committee, it's not our position to take a position on whether the agreement is good or bad. That is the bargaining team's job. So Mm -hmm. they have a lot of inside information that we wouldn't have. So they're the ones who have been in talks. They're the ones who have seen the expressions on the other team's faces. And so they sort of have more of an idea of how far the university Mm -hmm. is willing to go and how much farther we can push them to create the demands that we have. So they've agreed to tentatively recommend this deal at this time. So could you maybe, um, I guess, elaborate on what this deal is? What should students who are going to be casting a vote, what should they know when we say you're agreeing to this deal? So they should read the ratification package that's gone out to all graduate students. So the university at this time doesn't want the contents of the deal being made public, but Mm -hmm. I would say one of the things that's really important is the $50,000 that we got for mental health, Mm -hmm. which we can disperse in addition to the extended health plan that the graduate teaching assistants already offer. So that will allow us to be able to make better choices. 
So currently at Western, we have something called psychological services, but it only offers short-term therapy that might not be best for everyone in all cases. Mm -hmm. And students then have to wait in the same waiting rooms as the students that TA, and they can't make their own choices about their health. So this will give them a little bit more freedom and a little bit more of an option, which is one of the reasons I personally think that this is a good agreement. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you mentioned the the union healthcare plan. Yes. Um, I heard that when there wasn't a tentative agreement yet, the university had um, stopped funding the healthcare plan. So now it's back on track. So the university stopped funding the healthcare plan, and this was very upsetting to us as TAs because. I don't understand why Western wouldn't be putting the health of its graduate teaching assistants before any sort of politics. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's appropriate in any case. We've just received confirmation this weekend that PSAC Ontario will reimburse us for any of that, that the university doesn't. So that's a really positive step in the right direction. But it also shows kind of who Western is, that they don't really care about their graduate students because the extended health plan is accessed by people who really, really need it. It's not people who are just trying to earn money. Like we don't go to graduate school to make a lot of money. That's not one of our mm-hmm. goals. It's to make the world a better place. Right. <laughs> That's funny right. you bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, based on what happens on Thursday and Friday, what can you kind of walk us through what would happen if students vote yes and then what would happen if students vote no? So if students vote yes, the tentative agreement that has been proposed um, becomes our tentative agreement until it's ratified by the Board of Governors, and then it becomes our new collective agreement. For so how long? For, I think it's two years, okay. is our commitment. So we can remobilize then and start thinking about what we would want to bargain for next time, because obviously bargaining is an ongoing process. You get gains this time, then you get more gains next time, and that's just how it works. Right. Um, and but this is the first time yeah. Western's ETA have been bargaining for a better yeah. deal. Yeah, for this long. So we bargain every time, but this is the first time we've had a strike mandate. So right, it's the okay. first time we've had a strike committee. Mm-hmm. And it's also the first time we've had the legal option of going on strike. So mm-hmm. it's a very exciting time for us. So I think <laughs> that we've gotten some more things than we possibly would have in the past. And we have really great momentum and people to build on to make this a positive experience for TAs in the future. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so sorry to bring you back to it. So if we voted yes, and then... If we voted yes, um, this becomes our new collective agreement. So Mm -hmm. sort of business as usual, we would continue to be able to process grievances, all that kind of stuff. If we vote no, currently because the university filed a no board report, they don't have to adhere to the terms of the old collective agreement. So they could choose to change our rate of pay. They would no longer have to hear grievances we would have to continue bargaining with them. We would hope that they would come back to the table, but as exams are partially over, we wouldn't be in a very strong strike position. Mm -hmm. We'd probably end up striking in the fall, and then we would need to have a strong strike in order to win more gains. And what a strong strike looks like, um, if this wasn't ratified, is making sure that we are being as disruptive as possible, which Mm -hmm. is sometimes an unfortunate consequence of labor action. Right, because right. this time we didn't really have a strike. We had a few um, solidarity events, but we didn't really disrupt anything. 
No, so we were definitely not on strike in this case. So our goal wasn't to disrupt, it was to inform. And it was to show Western that we do have that solidarity. So if we were to be on strike, we would have people come out, we would have strong picket lines, we would have things that would disrupt our campus. Mm -hmm. So for example, the bus drivers have agreed to reroute all of the buses um, around campus in the event of any labor disruption. Hmm. Well, when you mention a solidarity event, um, could you could you flesh out how is that different from a strike as such? Sure, a solidarity event is when we get together and we support each other and we talk about things that relate to the union, and we gather support from members in our community. But when we have a strike, especially a general strike, it with it requires the withdrawing of TA labor. So then we would stop doing our TA duties, which would be different. And then there would also be physical picket lines established. Mm -hmm. And if there were physical picket lines, we wouldn't be crossing those picket lines to go into Western. Um, Obviously, exceptions would be made for essential services, animal care, and we are negotiating with PSAC Ontario exceptions for research. So when you say you're negotiating still with PSAC, how does that, what does that mean? Or why is it, do you have to wait until the votes are in to... So we wouldn't create a strike protocol until we were to actually go on strike. And so we currently don't know what that strike protocol would look like. So they have told us that they have heard us um, in our dual roles as researchers, but we're in this really hard position where we need to balance the need to have a strong picket line and to disrupt as much as possible to get the best deal possible and also allow students to be able to do their research, which is the reason that they came to Western in the first place. Mm -hmm. Because let's be honest, none of us came here to actually be a TA. That wasn't our goal. (laughs) Maybe not like first Mm. on the list, but you know. You know. We enjoy it. It's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. It's still something that we enjoy helping our students. But mm-hmm. yeah, we need to make sure that research is still a definite priority. Mm-hmm. So we've made that very clear to them in multiple emails, phone calls. We had a face-to-face meeting with them on Saturday. So mm-hmm. we are communicating to the best of our ability to represent graduate students. Mm-hmm. Could you maybe also clarify for our listeners when you talk about the PSAC local and then all the students that are representing us? Because I think that was something that... Um, we all learned for the first time, especially because we haven't really gone this far with a strike mandate before. Sure. So we have a local chapter of our union, which is PSAC 610, and that's who we would see on campus. So those are the local executives that we would elect, and they represent us on campus to the employer. But we're also part of a national organization, the Public Service Alliance of Canada, Mm -hmm. and they have regional representatives and representatives nationally. And those are not students. And those are not students. Those are employees of Mm -hmm. PSAC. And so the only person with the authority to call a strike would be the national president of PSAC. Okay. And so the students we elect report to this national executive if we wanted a strike or didn't want a strike. Yes. So they would give their opinion on whether we would want or didn't want a strike. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that would how the that's how the organization generally works. Yeah. Okay. And now on the other end, if students were to vote no, um, what would happen then? 
So we wouldn't have a collective agreement um, mm -hmm. if students were to vote no. Mm -hmm. And in that case, we would stop hearing grievances. Um, the university is no longer bound to anything that was in the previous collective agreements. So they've been honoring it up to this point, mm -hmm. but they might be able to decrease pay or change hours or do things that maybe wouldn't be as nice. And then again, we might strike in the fall. In the uh, fall. Okay. And things could get worse if we actually vote no. So yeah, things could definitely get worse. So in order to get a better collective agreement, we not only need, would we would need to strike, um, and we would also need to win that strike. So we would need things like strong picket lines. We would need people to give up probably some of their research. There are going to be sacrifices that are going to have to be made across the board. It's going to take longer for us to get into campus because there are going to be people there distributing information. It is a hard thing. It is, I think, a worthy cause. Mm -hmm. But I think that when people vote, they should be aware that this is very real. And you are going to have to make sacrifices in order to win a strike. Mm -hmm. And even more so, I'm just now I just recollect that in the summer, we wouldn't really have a leverage. So it's going to be hard to keep up the momentum all summer long if we were to strike in the fall. So the way that it would probably work is that if we vote down this contract, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think the union has to make sure our, that we have to agree for, mem to, for members to vote on a contract. So what we would do is we wouldn't have members voting on a contract in the summer. We would wait and have it voted on by the members that are TAs in the fall. So we wouldn't necessarily call a strike unless the university were to lock us out in the summer, which would be strange because there are only 100 to 200 TAs. We wouldn't necessarily call a strike in the summer. We would call a strike in the fall. And again, that would be called by the national president and not by the local union. And what happens to the student committees moving forward uh, that have been formed if, regardless of how the vote goes? So the what would happen is if we vote yes and we accept this agreement, the strike committee would be disbanded because we would no longer be in a position where labor action would be imminent. And we are going to create transition manuals, so it's not such a big ask next time we ask someone to step into these roles. We went to a training, and our training was only a couple of hours, and we got lists of all of these different things that we needed to do. So we called an emergency meeting, and there are currently 20 of us in a Slack group who have put together several different committees over the last couple of weeks and established protocols and worked with campus police and other campus partners. And we've done a huge amount of work to ensure that we were ready if Western locked us out. So we want to make sure first that that work isn't lost. Mm -hmm. um, and if we vote no and we do decide to strike in the fall, those of us that will be around will be happy to continue in our roles. Those of us who won't be around have already committed to coming back to Western, to oh, helping wow. out yeah, as best we can. Yeah, yeah we're really nice. passionate yeah. about this. We've been working really hard. We've been up um, probably until 1 a.m. a lot of nights. A lot of meetings are called with less than 24 hours notice. We're meeting from 5 p.m. to maybe 12 or 11. Mm -hmm. We've been doing the best we can. Um, we're on call. Our Slack group is going off like crazy. I checked the other day, and since we got Slack, which wasn't even our first week, I've sent over a thousand Slack messages. <sighs> so we are just, yeah. yeah, we're working really hard to make sure that 
if we do go on strike, we are as prepared as we possibly can be. Yeah, and just for everyone listening, they are also full-time students yeah. doing this. Yeah, we're, we, we, mm-hmm. we're, yeah, we play a lot of roles on campus. We're doing the absolute best that we can. Yeah. And so um, so you said you would have a manual prepared for students um, who potentially would be taking on these roles yes. in the future. Um, and the bargaining wouldn't happen for two years. So yeah. what happens in the interim of those two years leading up to the next time we bargain, I guess? So what we want to do is keep our members as mobilized as possible and keep them as in touch with us as possible. So I don't think communication between the local union and the greater student population had been great. So there are a number of positions. There are these things called stewards, which represent the union to their department. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of steward positions that are currently vacant. So we want to try to make sure those vacancies are filled, that communication is getting out, that we're having more solidarity events that we're doing things like a celebration for May Day which typically hasn't happened in Canada and May Day is an international day that supports labor movement and the struggles people have gone through to strike um, mm-hmm. yeah I'm new to a lot of this labor yeah. mm-hmm. stuff so I'm learning as well with everyone else but yeah. yeah it's been really fun can you actually tell us a little bit more about that what was it like for you being a new member and being a committee member in general um So I joined the strike committee before the official announcement was even called because I heard Shannon talking about it, who is the president of the local, and I know her personally. So I sent her an email, and I was like, I want to do this. And she was like, okay. Um, And I did it because I was scared, to be honest. Hmm. I didn't know what striking would look like and I always think that if you're scared of something the best thing to do is to get the most information possible and to try to be as involved as possible so that you can make sure that the decisions are being made in the best possible way so yeah I joined because I was terrified (laughs) yeah and I can't imagine it must have been terrifying because you didn't have a strike committee before this no yeah Yeah, we never had anything before this and The only communication that I'd gotten from the union previously, I felt like was come out to this event, but I didn't really know who people were, so I didn't feel comfortable really attending those events. Um, I now feel like the union is a much more inclusive place, and there are people involved from multiple departments. We have a lot of representation from geography, for example, which I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting. (laughs) Geography has been a very welcoming department. (laughs) But, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and I think... um, Regardless of the outcome on uh, the next couple days, um, this whole experience has made students very much aware of their TA roles. It goes beyond just, you know, signing a contract and doing what's been told, but um, really I think empowered students to recognize they also have rights as a TA, as a researcher to kind of just bring that to the forefront. I completely agree with you. So we sign something or we should be signing something every year with our supervisors called a duty specification agreement. Mm -hmm. And it should go through what your roles and responsibilities are as a TA. And I know a lot of people had been going over their hours or doing things that weren't in their duty specification agreement. And it's intimidating to go up to a prof that you might respect and say, no, I'm not okay with this. No, I want the overtime pay for doing this. So I hope that we've empowered a lot of people to do that. Um, I put in my first claim for overtime this year. So I hope that others Mm -hmm. follow in my footsteps and I hope that people get overtime. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Certainly, because I remember last time when we had Shannon and Dimitri over, they were talking about how you can actually now apply for overtime with the with a formal application and such. Yeah, the process isn't really clear right now. So 
I didn't really know what to do, to be honest. So it says in the collective agreement that you need the approval of SGPS Mm -hmm. and your course supervisor. So I sent them an email and I was like, hi, I don't really know what to do, but this is me initiating the process. I've yet to hear back. I hope Mm -hmm. that I do, but, and I also hope that the form helps and creates a meaningful dialogue between us and Western. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another one of the things that's positive about the new collective agreement. Right. Um, and I just want to add, I think, and I, it's been said at many of the sessions, that uh, students are so thankful for the work that the committees have put in. Um, beyond the sleepless nights that you've mentioned, I think just the fact that so many of the students were new to this and you learned how to do this and then represent us and then um, especially coming to the latter few weeks, all the confusion that you had to deal with and prepare for either scenario, that's um, that's a lot of work. So I don't know if you wanted to comment on, on that and... Yeah, it was really stressful. It was weird that Western would file something called a no-board report. So if you aren't familiar with what a no-board report is, um, a no-board report is a statement to the Ministry of Labor that allows the union or the employer to either lock out its employees or put them on strike. And so I think it's 17 days after you file the no-board report, you can go on strike. So ours is the 13th. So as of the 13th, we have been either in a legal lockout or strike position. Mm-hmm. So usually employers don't want their like there are people to go on strike so it was a very strange move of Janice Deacon so we just didn't know what we were dealing with when we got into this our employer was so aggressive to us that we needed to make sure that we were prepared for everything and you can see that with the security guards that are around campus and we don't know why those are there Um, we are trying to document any cases of them being there if possible but it's very strange to us that this is the first time Western has to our knowledge has had security during exams and that certainly cost them money yes of course and it's money that could have gone into the extended health plan fifth year ta ships tuition rebates a lot of the things that we had been asking for so it's very aggravating as tas to be able to see this oh wow and and uh, speaking of this aggressive behavior i recall that in one of your solidarity events right outside the verb the western the, the Web Building. Yeah, the Western yeah. Interdisciplinary Research Building. Yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue. They could have come up with tongue. a better name for that one. <laughs> that was not their smartest move. <laughs> it was the most modern building. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of that solidarity event, what happened over there? It's I, I, I've heard a lot of rumors about it. So we aren't sure exactly what happened. So we know that from the inside, the security protocol changed the morning of. So I work in that building. So I called my administrative assistant. We'd gotten a report from the Rotman Institute of Philosophy that students weren't able to access the building. So they had specifically barred grad students from accessing the building, which is problematic because we work in the building and we conduct our research there. And... I called in and she said the problem was that they couldn't figure out who was a grad student that was supposed to be working there or who wasn't. So what they ended up doing is asking us to swipe in so to use our key cards to determine whether we were grad students or not, which is fine. But it's strange that that request would come on the morning of. And 
it might have been my fault, to be honest, because I told our administrative assistant that we were planning some kind of solidarity event around that building. And we have gotten reports that they could hear us chanting when they were doing the opening ceremonies. So we know that they at least heard us and they listened. Mm -hmm. Um, The philosophy department was absolutely great, and they decorated their desks with things like extraordinary poverty starts here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We should be extraordinary, not that we had a choice. And the tours went by their desks with all of the politicians so Mm -hmm. we hope that the university saw that and that was one of the reasons that they returned to the bargaining table we hope so yeah yeah Yeah. and it's again it's surprising that the university would take an aggressive action like that for against a peaceful protest Exactly, because our plan was not to disrupt the event because that wouldn't have been okay we fought really hard um for science funding so I volunteer with another organization that lobbies for more science funding and the last thing we would want to do is to jeopardize that and as graduate students the last thing we would want to do is jeopardize the safety of anyone including our students because that's what we're ultimately fighting for is better working conditions for ourselves but also better classrooms for our students. So everything you've said for me personally as a graduate teaching assistant, it just makes me feel better that there's awesome students representing us. So thank you so much. But if we do want to learn more, where would be the place to go? Um, So psac610.ca is our website, or we have a Twitter or a Facebook that's listed on that website. Mm -hmm. But mostly I would encourage you to check your email because there's a lot of communication that comes through email that you won't be seeing online for the next couple of days. Okay. And then following uh, the vote this coming this week, will there be email follow-ups to... Absolutely. So we're already drafting emails that will be sent in the event of a yes or a no vote. Awesome. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into GradCast. We're on air every Tuesday at 6 o'clock, bringing you a Western graduate student, sharing some of their research or discussing some of their other roles that they fulfill on the Western campus like we did today. Uh, You can also find us anywhere where you listen to your podcasts and catch us on another day instead of a Tuesday. And follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please email gradcastradio at gmail.com. Thank you once again to our guest, Laura, for coming on and sharing all of your amazing information regarding what's been going on for TAs. And hopefully you get some sleep soon. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. The Gradcast theme tune has been composed for us by Matthew Becker.